Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. 2021, the year of eternal life. I'll give you as a, a subtitle this morning would be Understanding Our Assignment. A lot of times in you know, getting ready, there are random, as I would call them sometimes, random thoughts that come and that be little pieces of what the message will be. And I wanted to, to share this with you as we begin. To receive from a ministry gift with as little offense as possible and as little comparison with other ministry gifts as possible, it's helpful to understand the purpose of that ministry gift. I think a lot of times we um, can have a tendency to kind of clump things together and think that, um, you know, some ministry should be kind of like uh, cookie cutters of others, or maybe we had ministers, pastors in our lives, and we can have a tendency maybe to compare them with those who may minister to us. And we have to keep in mind that each one is a personality of its own. I'm going to use myself as an illustration in starting this off. And I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, please, verses 25 through 29. For you in this place, it's probably not a big issue. Most of you have been around for a while, um, but we are having people online all over the world now and some are listening on more than just an occasional basis. And so everybody needs to understand um, where the gift is that is ministering to them is coming from. So in Colossians 1, verses 25 through 29, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man, say every man, please, every man perfect in Christ Jesus, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I think just like, you know, how, how many of you here, you're interested in what God's plan is for your life? Anybody here? Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm glad everybody, you know, did decide to raise their hand. I'd have kind of wondered if you didn't. But, you know, I remember, you know, when that was such a big deal and a quest for me in my life. And I started, you know, things didn't really start kicking into my understanding, I mean, real big, until I started taking seriously Paul's epistles. And as I would read, I would start and started, you know, studying who God says I am in Christ. And as I did that more and more, there were certain things that started to just kind of fly and rise up on the inside of me. And I can recall when this scripture did, you know, and I mean, it just like, and, you know, how many of you, when you, do you look for yourself in the word of God? All right. Do you look for yourself in the word? 
Okay. Every believer should because, I mean, when we go through the scriptures, we find out that all the different men and women of God, and especially when we get over into the New Testament and we see them, Jesus found himself in the word. Paul found himself in the word. John the Baptist found himself in the word. These guys found themselves in the word of God because when they talked about themselves, they quoted scriptures from the Old Testament about who they were. And it's no, no different with us. And it, as I would move along, there's scriptures that would become so important to me. And this is one of them. And in particular, where Paul said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this, of this mystery among you, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, in here we know that word perfect doesn't mean that you're without mistake or you don't, don't miss the mark, but it means to be mature, grown up, full, fully grown. And, of course, this is something that's been working in me, in me pretty much all my Christian life, but it came to a point where I realized, you know, and I started to understand what it took to move towards that goal in my own life and then how to transmit that to the lives of other people. So when you hear me, wherever I go, wherever I teach, preach, talk, that's going to be the flavor of where I'm coming from. So if you expect something different, you know, is, you know you're going to maybe not get what you're expecting, <laughs> you know, unless God happens to be doing something different. But everything, even if it happens to be something that looks like it's not related, it's always going to come back to that. It's going to be connected to that. All right? Now, I was reading also, and this is another scripture over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that, man, when I, this blew up on the inside of me, I thought just, wow. And I, I don't know, I like it when scriptures blow up on the inside of me. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Stuff just goes off. And in uh, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, beginning with verse 15, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. For this cause have I sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church." And then when I saw that, I thought, wow. I mean, Paul, he just said, listen, y'all, when I come, no matter what church I go to, I'm not playing games. I'm not trying to be, you know, slick, trying to put something over on you. I'm going to be the same way, and I'm going to teach the same stuff everywhere I go. This is me. This is what's inside of me. And he said, I even found somebody named Timothy that uh, he's so faithful that he'll, if I'm not there, he can just step in and do the same thing that I would even though I'm not there, but to present every man perfect in Christ. And then he said, wherever I go, this is what's going to be happening in my life, and my ministry. So when we, we set our ears to hear what God is saying, we, it will be helpful to us to understand where the particular gift is coming from. And if you know that, it would be helpful when it comes to receiving as well. Now, there's a question that people ask in the Bible. And it's a question that people are asking even right now. Everybody wants to know who you are. Who are you? Sometimes you might do things, and it may not um, uh, be agreeable to other people. 
And somebody right, right, might rise up and say, well, who do you think you are? Hello, have you ever said that to anybody else? I'm sure you did. <laughs> who do you think you are? Everybody is always wanting to know who you are. And it's something that is very, very, very important. When we look through the scriptures, we find out it's very important. Who are you? They asked Jesus this question. They asked John the Baptist this question. Let's look at some scriptures. We may go through a number of scriptures this morning. John chapter 8, verse 25. If we don't, they'll be there for you to, to glean from. John 8, verse 25, Jesus got into these different discussions with these leaders, and somebody always want to know, who, who, who are you? Verse 25, then said they to him, who art thou? Who are you? In John chapter 1, they did the same thing with John the Baptist. In John 1 from verse 19, this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So he knew who he was not. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you that prophet? He answered, no. So, I mean, it's interesting because he knew who he was not. There was no confusion in his mind about who he was and who he was not. How many of us can say that about our lives? Just, just a thought. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. So now he said, I am the one who Isaiah said would make straight the pathway of the Lord. He said, I know who I am. You want to know who I am? He said, I am. Notice he said, I am. I was, I am, I will be. I am always places us in the present. Every time you say I am, it's in the present. We have to know who we are. People are going to wonder who we are. As the church, as God's people, we need to know who we are. Because when we know who we are, there's going to be, there'll be influence that comes from our lives as we know and understand who we are. I must know who I am and not be afraid nor ashamed to confess that before anyone. Paul knew who he was, and he wasn't afraid to say that. Jesus knew who he was, wasn't afraid to say that. John the Baptist, I am. Jesus, as a matter of fact, when we look closely at him and his earthly ministry, he was always declaring himself in the ears of the people. This is important. He was always telling them who he was. He would always say, I am. Now, folks, there's nothing wrong with us saying, I am. As long as you are saying who God says you are, and as long as you know who you are, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with you saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. Some folks have a problem and don't think that believers should say, I am. 
Jesus said in John 6, 48, I am that bread of life. And when you look at these scriptures, this, I mean, he said, I am that bread of life. All right. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Notice, I am the light of the world. All right. He said in uh, John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, all of these are different, you know, qualities or, or, or parts of his character and who God made him to be. And so when he came before men and before women, he did not have a problem telling them, you know, who I am. I'm not going to let you tell me who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. Because somebody's always going to be trying to put a tag on you. Hello. Somebody's going to try to put you in a box <laughs> and tell you who you are. And it will work if you don't know who you are. That's why there's a lot of insecurity or one of the reasons why. Because if you don't know who you are and somebody calls you a name and you don't know that you're not the name that somebody else is calling you, you're going to have a problem with your identity. So we better know who we are. <laughs> so Jesus didn't let anybody put him in a box. John didn't let anybody put him in a box. They, I mean, he said, I'm not any of these, but this is who I am. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. All right? Now, every time he said who he was, all of these were, had to, um, he had to put on display who he said he was. All right? He said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth or the reality, and I am the life, and that nobody's going to come to the Father but through me. All right? So it wasn't a, a, a trip where he was conceited. It was just a fact. And see, when you know who you are and you declare that, it's not a matter of being conceited or having a big head. It's just a fact that men and women need to know so that they can receive from you based on who you are. All right? He said in John, I mean, he just like, he put it to rest totally and completely in some of these scriptures. He's, he said in John 8, 58, he just said, I am. <laughs> Let's look at these two scriptures, John 8, 58, and then and John 18. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, he's just making a real bold statement right there about the totality of who he was. He just said, you know, I am. I'm, I am the most high. <laughs> John 18. Some of you might recall this. It's about, and he's getting ready to go to the cross. And Judas betrayed him. And these cats came out looking for him. Let's go to um, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, <laughs> I am. Notice he is in italics. Right? He said, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he said that to them, 
I am, then went backward and fell to the ground. Now, folks, there was a lot of power in him understanding who he was. So much power that he had to send a message that, listen, y'all come to take me, but you're not taking me against my will. I'm letting you know who I am. And I'm only going because I'm obeying the Father and I've got a plan to fulfill that he said. But I'm going to let you know something. I am. And when he said that, <laughs> you imagine that? You say, yeah, I, 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 this is who I am. And they just fall backward. You imagine you walk up to somebody and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And they fall down. <laughs> Or I'm God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that he is before prepared that I should walk in them and they fall down. Somebody tries to come and take you. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. No weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment I condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and my righteousness is of him. And they fall down. <laughs> you might need some of this in your pocket. It's important that we know and understand who we are. And Jesus, in knowing and understanding who he was, boldly confessing it, it's like <laughs> when we know and understand this too, there's going to be a release of power from our lives that the enemy cannot stand against. This is why this becomes so important. And it's important for us to always understand, keep in memory, never lose it, grow in it. In its, when I say grow in it, I mean in our understanding of it of our, our union with Christ in God and the fact that we are so one with him that we share a common life with him that when men and women see us, they actually are seeing a manifestation of God in the flesh. Amen. That would freak some people out. I know it does, but it's just too bad. We're not backing off this gospel in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to go to these scriptures at the top here. So let's read from... John 8, Matthew, 12, Matthew 5, and then Acts 13. John 8, 12. And when we read these scriptures, you'll see how they all fit together. Then spoke Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of of life. Now he said, I'm the light of the world, and if you follow me, you're not gonna walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life, the light of Zoe. All right, so Zoe brings light. Now look at Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. We're in the middle of a revolution, and the revolution is what's going on in our minds. <laughs> Jesus said here, you are the light of the world. Now, I thought he just said, I am the light of the world. <laughs> he did, but then he says, you, you're my people, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, 
but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, notice here what Jesus does. He says, I'm the light of the world, but then he comes to his people and says, now, guess what? You're the light of the world. So he's saying, there's nothing different about you than me or me than you. That's what he said. So now, should there be a problem with me saying, I am the light of the world? No. The biggest problem will probably be in your head until this settles in. <laughs> because you're thinking, oh, wait a minute. Jesus told me that I am the same as he? See, that's got to rattle around in that cage a little bit, and it'll finally it'll settle down when you stay with it. See? This union that we have with him is such a marvelous thing. And he is the instigator of it, not men, not women. God is. So now, I could stand up before men, and I could say the same thing that Jesus said about me. I'm the light of the world. But now guess what? I'm going to have to shine. And just like he said here, I can't hide my life under a, a bushel or under, you know, I can't cover it up. I got to let my light shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my father who is in heaven. So part of that shining is good works, whatever those good works may be. And there's probably an infinite number of good works that there are because of what is going on on the inside of us. God lives inside of us. And so there's so many good things that we can do that they're infinite. You can think of something good to do where you might think there's nothing to do. I was thinking the other day, and I forgot. When I left the house, I forgot it. But I was thinking, I know I had to go to the post office. And so my mind is always running. What can I do when I go out and I get in front of or in the midst of people? And it was a scripture I had written on an index card. And I thought, but the thought just came to my mind. Write the scripture down on an index card and give it to whoever it is that waits on you. I forgot it. But I had it in mind to do that. And see, when we, we start thinking about how we can shine, what we can do, and it becomes large in our thinking, all these different ideas will start to rise up on the inside of us. You might think, oh, man, I don't have anything to do. I'm insignificant. I'm just little old me. But no, you're not just little old me. There's great stuff on the inside of each and every one of us. And if we will allow the Holy Spirit and our minds and our hearts to just go to work, I'm going to tell you something. We'll find something to do every time we leave the house. Or we'll find something to do while we're in the house. We'll maybe text somebody. or do. There's always something that will come up that we can do if we're looking for it and we're looking to shine and be who Jesus says we are. As a matter of fact, it'll get you busy. If you think you have nothing to do, <laughs> if you think you have nothing to do, start saying I'm the light of the world. And I'm going to let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my Father, stuff will just start coming up on the inside of you. And you'll have something to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Acts 13. 
This is another one of those scriptures that when I, I see I, th- this scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 3 that we, we talked about before about the veil being taken away in Christ. Remember that? Th- this scripture hit me about 20 some years ago. Matter of fact, I remember when it became real large to me. It was back in 1998 when we were teaching on identification made clear. And I remember some of them young men sitting in the front row. Boy, they were just getting real happy. And they was, Ryan was in the front row, Jeff Cordy, um, Chris, uh, Josh, and then John. And man, they were just, that, that, it, it, it hit them at that time too. The veil being taken away in Christ. And so when you start, we start understanding who we are in Christ, and then we start looking for these things, our eyes just start opening up to the scriptures, and all these different things start jumping out at us, and we start seeing more clearly defined the plan that God has for man and that he has for his people, and that God means to share all of himself with mankind. And then when he gets to get inside of us, that he means to express himself out and through us, in and through us, just like it tells us in Philippians 2, that, that God is at work in us to willing to do of his good pleasure, but then he told us in the verse before to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who's working in us to willing to do of his good pleasure. So what, when he came to live on the inside of you and me, he brought everything of himself. And now there are people in the Bible that when they found this out, they started to identify with it, and they would drag scriptures, drag them from the old covenant, and they become alive in the new covenant. This is one of them right here. And when I saw this one, that man, I just went crazy, man. Not even like, like not that kind of crazy, but you know, I mean, it's just like, wow, man, it's just, it just jumped out. You know, stuff jumps off. It's just like, wow, this is what God really means. And, and so in, in Acts 13, <laughs> by God, 44 through 48. Oh, boy. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Get over here. All right. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas, they grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy. Now notice of what? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Unworthy of Zoe. Come on now. See, I mean, he came first to the Jews to tell them, this is what God's got for you. Just like Jesus was talking about in his earthly ministry. He was always talking about Zoe. And so he, <laughs> God, here these guys come preaching. You, you see, when we, when, I, I tell you guys, when certain things come to light, everything just starts jumping off in the light of that. And you see where God is really, really, really coming from. 
Are y'all with me, or are you? So he said, you judge yourselves unworthy. He didn't say just being, you judge yourselves unworthy of being saved. He said, you judge yourselves unworthy of the life of the eternal one. Now imagine that. He's telling, this this is why these other people wanted to come. They're thinking, you're going to tell me that God has come to live inside of me and I become a partaker of the divine nature? I never heard nothing like that before. But you're telling me that the creator of the universe has reserved a place inside of me to come and live in me? Wow. So they were excited about it, but the Jews, they got out of this. But we're not even done. (laughs) He says, we turn to the Gentiles. Now look at this verse. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now wait a minute. They didn't pull that scripture out the air. You know where they got it? They got it from a couple of places. They got it out of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49. But there were scriptures that were spoken of concerning God's word to Messiah. But they claim them for themselves. Do you you see anything here? (laughs) What they're understanding and picking up on is that their union with the Godhead is real. And whatever applied to Messiah, they have a share in that. They took those pages off, the, those words off the book of Isaiah, the pages of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, that were to Messiah, and they declared them for themselves. But it shouldn't be any surprise because Jesus already said in, in Matthew 5, you're the light of the world. So he talked to his people. What the Lord, the Holy Spirit of the living God is after where the church, the body of Christ is concerned, is that we understand exactly what our union with him is to be. It is, but we got to wake up to that. The church as a whole has to wake up to that. This is what the enemy is so frightened about. Because if he starts dealing with all these Jesuses all over the place, and then all these Jesuses start getting on the same page and start understanding their identification in unison, it's over. It's over. Because we'll, oh, and, and because of that life in us, then all of our good works will just start flowing out of us like rivers of living. Oh, excuse me, Jesus did say that, didn't he? Out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. <laughs> good Lord. See, this, this ID stuff is no side issue. This Zoe stuff is no side issue. It's what we must lock in on. 
When one boldly confesses who they know they are, it will release a power that others cannot remain neutral to. Cannot remain neutral to. Now, what has to happen with every one of us? See, we, we, we get a nice environment here. You won't hear this here. But now, you've got to create one for yourself between Sunday and Sunday to where feeding on these things is a priority. There are a lot of good things that we can deal with. A lot of wonderful things from the scriptures. But the main thing has to be the main thing and this has to be the most important thing because everything else is going to have to come out of this. Everything else can't become the main thing. This has got to be the main thing, and then we let God grow everything else out of that. It's got to be that way. So we can never allow ourselves to lose focus of these things that we're looking at. Hello? We can't do it. We got to stay with it. So I said, well, you know, I thought there was, yeah, there, there, there are other things. There are other wonderful things. But folks, if those things are not ministered to us out of this, not going to mean much. I'll tell you what I remember so vividly in my mind that before, before God helped me to lock in on this, I remember so vividly how I would listen to messages, good messages, good word. But I would notice that over a period of a number of months, maybe a year, a couple of years, that the emphasis would change and something new would come out. And I started to think, I said, wait a minute. This is not right. Because it looks to me like... um, we're just kind of jumping around and not really locking in on what we need to lock in on to be able to grow and develop and be what we're supposed to be. So it piqued my curiosity. And I'm, I'm telling you, one day this, this brother right here dropped some cassette tapes in my cubicle that totally and completely transformed the way I was looking at the word of God. And when I listened to that first tape, it went bam. I thought this is what I've been looking for all my Christian life. It just went off like a bomb on the inside of me, and I have never been the same since. Never been the same. This stuff that we're talking about right here is what became the meat of my life. I put everything else aside. Some of y'all, there are people that are here that were in this church way back then. I put stuff aside. I just, I rebuilt my, relayed my foundation while I, in about two and a half years into while I was pastoring this church. It's totally related. Totally related. And I'm telling you, some of you are finding out, and some of you are going to find out more as you keep, I'm, even the things in the world around you will start to make sense. And you see them out of totally different eyes. You'll start seeing what's going on here as not something that we're supposed to bow to. 
we'll begin to understand who we are in this cosmos, that we are cosmos invaders. We're not those who to sit around and let the cosmos engulf us and chew us up and spit us out and walk and trample all over us and wait for the rapture. No. We're supposed to do something about the darkness. See, my Bible tells me in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that there's coming a confrontation between light and dark. <laughs> That's not in heaven. But it's when, like, like it was with those two Egyptian sorcerers, Janus and Jambres, who withstood Moses, but their folly was made known to all men. God said that that's the same folly that would become on the ungodly and all those sorcerers and witchcraft and all those Luciferians in this time. And when you look at what, how Moses and Aaron dealt with those sorcerers, and how th there was no victory for those sorcerers. And it finally came to a point that they, that they, they said, hey, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. We can't deal with this. <laughs> now, do you think that that's going to happen with a church running away from the darkness? Do you think that's going to happen with a church that doesn't understand who they are in God? Remember, God told Moses, he said, I've made you as a God unto Pharaoh. Boy, that's hard for some people to swallow. But all I'm doing, once again, is I'm just telling you what the scriptures say. See, when we understand where God is coming from, we know he's not telling Moses, well, you know what, Moses, I'm trading places with you. You just become the almighty and I'll become a peon. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you're my representative. And as my representative, you are as I am. Because I'm giving you to work with what I work with. That's what that union stuff is all about. And that's why Jesus could say, you know, when they came to him in John chapter 10, and they would say, you know, you know, what's up with you, dude? You're talking about you and your father are one. He said, you're not making, you're not a man. You're making yourself out to be God. And then Jesus says it. he said, isn't it written in your law that I said? That I said you are God's? And he said, if he said that to them, and the scripture cannot be broken or annulled and made void, do you find it a strange thing when I come to you and say, I am the son of God? See, this Christian faith we got, we, we, we got to come up to where God's standard is. And it doesn't matter who likes it or doesn't like it. We got to understand what God is saying and then know how to break it down and, and explain it as well as demonstrate it. There are people that are fighting those scriptures all right now. And there are even people that, are, that will, will talk about folks that mention this stuff and just want to throw them in the trash, but they don't understand what God is saying. God is saying, well, God, you go back to the Garden of Eden, you understand we were made in the image and likeness of God. And then he turned over to us everything in this earth. That's why we can't turn our backs on what's going on on planet Earth. Because we were given the right, the dominion and authority to rule in this place, not Lucifer. That's why we can't just say, you know, give up and just, Lord, come get me, come get me. 
No, no. No, no. No, no, I will say no on from now until. No, 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 no. We gotta rise up. We gotta face this mess. We gotta face it head on and put this mess in its place. We're here. And we're, we're here. The church is here. The body of Christ is here. And we were made to put stuff underneath our feet. God gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all and fall, all in all. That's what, what do you think? What, why do you think that, that the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Do you know what those shoes look like? It's spiked. Despite shoes, that when you step on something, you're going to hurt it. <laughs> and if you happen to do like that, oh, my God. <laughs> you can really mess something up with them spiked shoes. And those preparation of the gospel of peace, you know what? Anything that's coming against us that wants to disturb peace, if you, that, they're not going to have anything to do to be able to take that peace away. Them shoes is made for peacemaking. Hmm? <laughs> oh, God. They're going to say work with stuff is just coming kind of flying up here. <laughs> oh, my. Now, 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 check this out. If the church does not know who the church is, then the church cannot boldly confess who the church is. And if the church does not know who the church is, then the church does not know the church's assignment. <laughs> and if the church does not know its assignment, the church will not have a vital, powerful influence in the world. Since we're talking about there's a revolution going on, and the revolution going on right now is in the minds and the hearts of people in the church. Remember, Gil Scott Heron said the revolution will not be televised. <laughs> Some of y'all might remember him. <laughs> you see, this revolution is what, it's, it's internal. And it's, take, it's going on in the saints. It's going on in here. It's going on anywhere that this stuff starts coming out. It's going to be a revolution up here because there's been so much crust that has been formed up here. And we've listened to and heard so much preaching that has helped build that crust. Preaching that has not been the gospel, although it was proclaimed to be the gospel. What we're talking about today is the gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel 
Because the gospel is the power of God, not weak stuff. It's the power of God. If it's, if it's dunamis, there's no need to run from anything. We're supposed to explode it. Light the fuse. Kaboom! 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 Blow up the lot wall. Blow it up. <laughs> Jesus. Now, look at these scriptures with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 14. Wow, man. I get excited about going to the store now. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> it's like. All right, so Hebrews 10 from verse 5. This is something that the Lord said, and we got to pay attention to. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, I'm talking about Jesus, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice an offering you would not, but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, you would not, neither had pleasure therein, which are, excuse me, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, or once. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but this man only that ride by you this man see Jesus he was God but he's a man so important this is such a key to people being under, able to understand redemption so key and that's a lot of reason why people have a lot of problems with the Christian faith, because a lot of Christian people can't explain this. And so you say, well, Jesus is God, but he's a man. See, you've got to be able to break this stuff down. But anyway. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, sat for, one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. Sat down, sat down, <laughs> sat down, sat down on the right hand of God. It's like he went through everything, the work that he did, the work of redemption, he went through everything, and when he was done, he sat down. He was done, finished. So now if he, if it's finished, ain't nothing left to be done. Everything's accomplished. Finished. Man, I could, God, go off and so many, there's so many things running through my mind right now. It's crazy. 
Because I think about people arguing about the Sabbath and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I they don't understand that that Sabbath was meant to be an illustration of the finished work of Christ. Real simple stuff. And there's no need to be hung up on a day. Make a whole doctrine out of a day and still ain't got no power. <laughs> but arguing about a day. Every day God is to be worshipped. Paul told us that. So, but it was the, if we were to be able to enter into rest or enter into the finished work of Christ. That's where the rest is, where he sat down. We're supposed to understand that and not be, don't you worry about a thing. <laughs> we just settle into God and realize, okay, everything's done. Now we enforce that. But there's no struggle. Hebrews 4, I'll tell you a little bit about that. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> so many things that are flying around in my mind right now. But he said, from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Now, notice the language here. He's sitting, and from that place in which he is, He's expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Now, we know, we, I mean, this, nobody should have to question this or even go into great detail about it. We know that it's the power of God that's going to work it, but somebody's got to work the power of God. We've got to work together with the Father. And, and work together with the Holy Spirit. Remember, there's a scripture we'll look at a little bit. It says we are laborers together with God. So Jesus is sitting down, and remember, he said, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send somebody. Oh, the Holy Ghost, <laughs> the Spirit of God. So we have help to be able to help accomplish what God said was to happen to the enemies of Messiah. See, folks, we are so involved in this. If we're in Christ, we're, we're, we're God's people and have him inside of us. We are so involved in this. We're not, we're not bystanders. We're not waiting for God to move. God's going to do something. When people are still talking like that, God done done something. We got to stop talking like that. Well, God's going to move. I know he's going to move. God done moved. It's not for me and you to move. He doesn't move. What's, what else is he going to do? He's got nothing else to do but work through us. That's it. And we keep praying and waiting for God to move. That's why we've been centuries. And only pockets of things happening. See, I think that's a cop out anyway. Because we can sit around and, and pray and wait for God to move and never get into the thick of the battle. And people live and die waiting for God to move. Live and die waiting for the rapture. Live and die. For centuries people have been living and dying waiting for God to move. 
when he said, you got the Holy Ghost. Go. Pray, go. Pray, go. But your prayer is one of dominion and authority and breaking the power of darkness over people's mind, hearts and minds and then going delivering light and life. This thing becomes so unsimple. See, the veil is taken away in Christ. <laughs> Done away with in Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Now, here Paul was talking about this, about him and his ministry folks that were working with him. But guess what? That is to be passed on to the people. We've got to realize that we are all laborers together with him. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I know that. I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know we, we hear it and have heard it. But as the saints of God, we all have to realize that because if we realize that we're workers together with him, then we're going to be going a bit more frequently than we have been. And we're going to be doing a bit more frequently than we have been, realizing that as we go and we start putting our foot in the water and start stepping into places and start taking dominion, that we're working together with him. It's not us doing this stuff by ourselves. Come on, we, we, we shouldn't even have to have that explained to us. <laughs> that, that, that's elementary. Because, but God is at work in us to work through us and out of us. And then we are laboring together with him. Just like he said in Mark 16, God went with and confirming the word with signs following. God went when they went. And when they put the word out when they went. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, it's, it's, it's time here where, where everybody in the church, it's not just preachers that are involved in this, so everybody in the church has got to realize the place that they have out in this cosmos. That we're cosmos invaders. That's why we're here. To invade the darkness. Shine the light in the darkness. Run the darkness off. Put the darkness in its place. None of this mess has any authority over the name of Jesus. None of it. No fake virus. No, no fake vaccine. No fake government. No fake money. None of it is bigger than the name of Jesus. None of it. No ineffective mask. None of it. No sickness, disease, infirmity, none of it. And see, I, there are people that know what's going on. Well, you know, we got to stop talking like, oh, yeah, but they're taking all this stuff away. Stop talking like that. You get an agreement with that. Stop talking like that. No, I'm taking my rights in Jesus' name. I'm taking ground in Jesus' name. No, oh, there's darkness. You know, I listen to people on the radio, that, and they know, they know what's going on. They know the truth about a lot of us stuff, but then they're saying, well, you know what? We're losing our rights. They're taking stuff away from us. Stop talking that mess. We should be saying, you know what? I'm taking ground for the kingdom of God. 
I'm taking ground. They're not going to come into Fort Worth and be able to deceive me. They're not going to come in here and close my church down. They're not going to keep me from worshiping. They're not going to keep me from going places. You can't do that. You don't have the right to do that because we realize it's not people. It's demonic principalities. And I read in the word that principalities and powers became subject to him. And if they're subject to him, then they're subject to us. That's the gospel. That's the new covenant. So the church has got to come to a mindset. We've got to scrape some stuff out of the corners, you know, of our minds and, and start realizing who we are and what's been given to us and the assignment that we have because of who we are. I've never, ever understood and seen darkness being able to put out light. I'm getting how dark it gets in here. Just put on something that's got light, and you're going to see it. Hallelujah. Now, this, I'm going to say this to all ears, but this is really for those who are ministry gifts. This right here. Our ministry gifts must forsake our pride, resolve our lack of knowledge and self-serving motivation, and adopt a common agenda. That means some of us preachers are going to have to go to Holy Ghost school. <laughs> and we're going to have to sit down with the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul and let them teach us what this new covenant is supposed to be about. What is about what it's supposed to be in our lives. And we've got to drop all this other stuff that we've called so important and put it in its proper place. Our focus must be on whose we are, who we are, why do we exist? <laughs> if we look at these three things and we put them side by side with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find out why there has been so little done over the centuries. We start with this first one, whose we are. This is one that's hard for believers to want to deal with. Matter of fact, when you start talking about this with, other, with some believers, they don't want to hear it. That's why they can't stay still. Because when you start telling them what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Let's read it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's read it. <laughs> Such an important scripture. I remember, you know, coming along in, in times past that people talk about me being hard. And I couldn't see where talking to scriptures was being hard. I mean, I'm just telling truth. But it's truth that because things have been so watered down, over the ages in the church, then when you start challenging people to step up and rise up to where God wants them to be, it, it takes a little bit for them to grasp that concept and be willing to make adjustments. Because the church has been, the, the preachers have been so easy on them. 
Look at the scripture. It says, what? <laughs> Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, who you have of God, and you are not your own? Ugh. 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 Mm. See, until you jump into this stuff, you don't want to hear this. You're not your, I'm not my own. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do with my life. Live how, no, no, you can't do that. A price was paid for us. We didn't just get saved, but see, because we came in, we, we, <laughs> Jesus purchased us. We mean to redeem means. See, we were purchased, bought with a price, as it says here. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Notice, not just your spirit, but your body. So I say, well, oh, well, I don't fornicate, I ain't an adulterer. Well, you see, there's other things you can do with your body that don't glorify God. People will talk about them things, you know, the, you know what they call the nasty stuff. But what about not eating right? What about destroying the temple because you don't eat and drink right? Or don't take care of yourself. What about that? See, we're going to, this, this is serious here. We, we, we don't belong to ourselves. And that means we got to treat somebody else's property a little bit better than we've been treating it. Ooh, excuse me. Ow, where'd that come from? <laughs> For real, because we belong to him. So, like, if somebody puts something that they have in your possession... It's not yours. It's us to be steward over it and watch over it. That means we're supposed to take care of it better than we would even our own stuff. Because when it comes back to get it, it's not supposed to be more broken down than it was when they gave it to us. Oh, Lord. I know that's strong. Ouch. <laughs> so the church, people in the church have to understand. Now, this, this can thin the crowd out. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, what God is wanting is some people who are going to be serious. And none of us have arrived at the fullness of, you know, walking in this. But at least if you're moving in that direction and on your way, hey, we can work with that. And I'll say, hey, I can work with that. But if you just go totally run away from it and say, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I don't care about that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. No, no. What you said, preacher? What you said? You're not. That's exactly what some people have done. You know, I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> See, so we're going to, the, the ministry is going to have to realize, you know what? You, this is not a popularity contest. And if somebody don't like you saying what God says, too bad until they go away and get their mind straightened out and then come back and get in this thing like they're supposed to get in it. It's not about you being popular. It's not about you having numbers. It's not about you having a lot of money or whatever. It's about telling people the truth, whether they like it or not. Because I know it's right here. Paul ain't pulling no punches. This is strong. And it's the truth. And it's a fact that we belong to God. The ministry gifts will have to tell people who you are. 
have some confidence in putting that out to people and give them the right and the, the opportunity and the right to stand on their own two feet based on who God says they are in Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're going to tell the saints, you are somebody. Look at what God has invested in you. You don't have to rely on me. We can work together, but I'm not your answer. And I'm not here to control your life and take your money and keep you beat down so that you never learn how to pray for yourself, never learn how to speak the word for yourself, never learn how to go out into the street and do something for God in other people's lives. You just keep coming here, and I'll keep beating you down and keep taking your money. No, find out who you are and then start sharing that with the saints. So we can get some folks that are built up and get an army together like it's supposed to be and do damage to the darkness. Get our work done and then go on to something else. And then thirdly, why in the world do I exist? There are Christian people floating around all over the place and don't know why they're here. They think they're here passing through to get to heaven. And so they're, you know, they're, and they're, they're, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. The struggle is real, you know. The struggle is real. <laughs> Struggle's over. We're going to realize why we're here. We're here to do what? To shine light. Bring light. Right? Amen. To bring light. And we're here in this scripture, Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. I'm going to keep sticking this thing out here until it, it sticks in our consciences. And even with people that hear us online, because these are things that have to get out into the airwaves. These are scriptures. People have not known what to do with scriptures like this. But they're in the Bible. So Ephesians 3 from verse 9. Notice Paul said, I'm here to make all men see or Actually, to make all see. So when he says all see, man, it's in our text. He means all see. That means every, everybody, is this, this, when we say living, I mean, every, we got angels. We got demons. We got men, women. We have uh, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. We got Nephilim. We got bugs. We got animals. Uh, we, we got creation. We got trees. Aminals. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, oh, now, oh, now, that now, remember, every time you say now, oh, I am, it's in the present, now. Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. See, when Jesus sat down, he said, you know what? Huh. I'm deputizing you. I'm putting something on you and in you. And guess what, guys? I've ordained it. The Father's ordained it that you would be a demonstration to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, the multifaceted wisdom of God. 
not only are you going to show the world how Jew and Gentile could come into one body, but you're going to demonstrate the authority and dominion that man is supposed to have throughout the universe. Because the Bible tells us in the Garden of Eden, in, in Genesis 1, and tells us over in Psalm 8, what God put in the hands of man. What is man? <laughs> They're waiting for an answer. Creation's waiting for an answer. Waiting for an answer. What is man? <laughs> Made in the image and likeness of God and to have dominion over the creation of the Most High. Time to stop giving the earth away. Time to stop giving stuff away. When I say give it away, I'm talking about letting evil happen. It's time to stop letting that happen. It's time to stop letting them take ground. It's time to stop letting them take our governments, our gold, our silver, our land, houses, whatever it is, because the devil owns nothing. Every day you tell them what I tell them. You have nothing, you are nothing, you own nothing. Because Jesus purchased it all. Everything he got back by his blood. Everything. Everything. And then he said, huh, body of Christ, huh. Here you go. Hallelujah. 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 God's getting all up in our thinking, y'all. I'm telling you, hallelujah, he's getting all up in the church's thinking. And we're going to drive this old poverty mentality out of our, our stinking thinking and realize the riches in Christ that we have and what we're supposed to put on display to this cosmos. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Say this with me. I'm the light of the world. I am a city. I'm set on a hill. It cannot be hid. I let my light so shine before men that they may see, that they may see, that they may see my good works and glorify my Father who's in heaven and who's in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So we're going to get up, and we're going to go out, and we step outside the doors. We're just shining bright all over the place. Just shining, just shining, just shining. Hallelujah, 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 in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.